Hola, hello, bienvenido, and welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Perel. Whether you're a first-time listener or a loyal returning guest, I want to extend a warm hola and hello to each and every one of you. For those of you who are new here, welcome, bienvenido. I encourage you to explore our previous episodes and let me know what you think. And to all our returning listeners, muchas gracias. Thank you for joining us once again. Now, before we dive into today's episode, let's take care of a few housekeeping matters. Throughout the show, I'll be referring to our segments as trimesters, mirroring the stages of pregnancy. So we have the first trimester, the second trimester, and the third trimester, each representing a unique part of our discussion. Additionally, instead of side note, we'll be introducing Braxton Hicks. These moments will provide valuable information, sharing captivating stories, and offer deeper insights into the topics we're exploring. In this episode, I will discuss how to work with me. That's right, the steps, the process, and the whatnots. This week's story is one of a client who worked with me multiple times. The one phrase I hear the most when I'm interviewing is, for my first I'll get a doula. And I'm here to tell you that I have worked with clients multiple through multiple births, not just their first. This particular story, can you guess how many times I worked with this client? Is it one, two, or five? You'll have to listen to the episode to find out. Let's start the show. First trimester. Say her name. In this segment, I take a moment to honor the memory of Black women who have tragically lost their lives as a result of systemic neglect and medical racism. Today, I'm changing it up again. I'm highlighting an organization who is actively working to help combat the maternal mortality rate. Today, we're diving into a critical issue that demands our attention the startling disparities in maternal health, particularly among Black pregnant and postpartum women. Join us as we shed light on BMMA, the Black Maternal Mortality Alliance, emerged as a collaborative endeavor between two influential entities, the Center for Reproductive Rights, CRR, and Sister Song, Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective. This strategic partnership is dedicated to advancing the improved legislation aimed at curbing the alarming rates of Black maternal mortality. Additionally, BMMA serves as a vital catalyst for shedding light on critical areas of research and disseminating knowledge concerning the intricate web of social determinants that significantly impact outcomes such as traumatic birth experiences and maternal and infant mortality. Central to BMMA's arsenal of resources is a comprehensive toolkit that meticulously dissects the multifaceted factors contributing to the state of Black maternal health and proffers potential solutions to address these challenges. One of the hallmarks featured in BMMA's mission is its unswerving call for legislators and healthcare providers 
to center their efforts around the work of community groups, both past and present. Angela Doisonala Aina, MPH, co-director of BMMA, emphasizes the dire need to acknowledge and uplift the long-standing contributions of Black individuals in the realm of maternity care. Aina underscores the imperativeness of recognizing that BMMA was conceived as an alliance driven by the genuine desire to elevate community-based approach to healthcare and well-being, particularly concerning Black maternal health. Crucially, Aina and other leaders in this movement emphasize that assigning blame to individuals is counterproductive. Instead, the focus should be on acknowledging the systemic failures that have persisted for decades within our healthcare system, societal environments, and political landscapes. It is imperative to pave the way for progress by opening doors of opportunity, allocating resources, and offering unwavering support to those diligently engaged in the crucial work at the grassroots levels of communities. This organization is much needed. Second trimester. Now, starting to work with me, it usually starts off with me getting an email from a potential client. They'll go to my website, they fill out my contact form, and then it shoots me an email with important information, like their due date, their email and any information they'd like to include. This one was not anything out of the normal. So I I usually respond within 24 hours after getting a contact form. So we set up a time to meet and we have an interview. And this was pre-pandemic when I was going to people's homes to meet with them. Now, post-pandemic, we have our initial meeting over Zoom. So the interview takes me to Brooklyn. Now, the one thing about me is that I arrive generally at my prenatals or my interviews a little bit early. And part of the reason is because I'm a little directionally challenged. I know, I know. I can walk confidently in the wrong direction, even with the help of Googleisha, aka Google. And she's not always right. She sends me on trips in the wrong direction often. So I give myself plenty of wiggle room when I travel, just in case I start walking confidently in the wrong direction for about a good five, 10 minutes. So that way I'm either early or on time, just in case. Well, I arrived a few minutes early. When I rang the doorbell, my client opened up the door. She greeted me and she invited me into her living room. When her husband walked in, I instantly was taken aback because I recognized him. Or did I? I wasn't sure. I was confused because this is someone I watch regularly on the nightly news. So I didn't, you know, like most New Yorkers, we see a lot of celebrities on the train. We see them all over the city, in restaurants, in hotels. We see them everywhere at parties. So, you know, we kind of keep our cool as New Yorkers and, and, and don't fan out so to speak. But internally, I was like, oh my God, is this, could this? And I, now the wife has a different last name. So I didn't put two and two together immediately. 
And we had our interview. It went really well. We were, we were laughing. We were joking. It was an easy conversation. Also, I have to say, he's a lot taller in person. And I did not know that. So I kept it very professional. The interview went well. When I left, I immediately called my best friend and started saying, oh my God, I think I just interviewed with so-and-so. Oh my God, I watch them all the time. Oh my goodness, that was so wild. They're so such a nice person. Like, you know, all of the things that you would share with your friends without giving them too much information because, again, keeping it professional. But I was starstruck. So a few days later, I got an email asking if I would be their doula. Of course, I said yes, emphatically. I was excited to work with them. And our first prenatal, it was pretty standard. I generally show a a video, a little birth video. We talk about birth. We talk about their ideals, their goals, what they would like to accomplish. This mom wanted to have a natural birth with little to no interventions if possible, which was fine, which is great. By our second prenatal, at that time, I was only doing two prenatals, our second prenatal We cover movement in labor, things to do for early labor. I remind them about early labor. Again, this was a breeze. Client wrote up a birth preferences form, which just to give an overview of kind of what she wanted in the event of being able to present it to the nurse or the whichever doctor would be on call. They also presented it to their doctor at the doctor's visit and everything went well and seemed well. They put a copy in her chart. When my client went into labor, I joined them at their home and we labored for many hours at home. I want to say we labored for a good 10 to 12 hours at home and then she was ready to transfer to the hospital. So she was still doing well laboring while we were heading to the hospital When we got to the hospital and she got situated because they have to do blood work, they have to get her insurance, she has to do some paperwork, answer some questions, and then they'll hook her up to the monitor to check to see if she's having contractions, how frequently the contractions are, how the baby is faring with the contractions. So when they checked her, it was an amazing exam. She was seven centimeters dilated, which was great. And the client did not have an epidural, and she chose not to get one. So they put us in a room, and we labored some more. And a few hours later, it was time to push. My client managed each contraction with breathing. Her husband was next to her, supporting her, making sure she was hydrated, wiping her forehead, being very physically attentive. I was massaging her back. It was, we were in a nice flow. The nurse would come in and not interrupt too much unless she needed to adjust the monitors. So now it's time to push. And we pushed, well, we then pushed, my client pushed and we assisted her. And pushing was pretty normal. We pushed for about almost two hours, which is pretty standard. The pushing can go anywhere from 30 minutes to three hours. The longest I've ever pushed with someone was six hours. That wasn't going to happen here. So the baby was born and the husband wanted to announce the sex of the baby. So the doctor held up the baby and he looked real quick and said, it's a boy. 
And the doctor adjusted the umbilical cord and said, look again. And we all chuckled as he said, it's a girl. We had a great laugh. The baby latched well. The parents were in love. They were excited. They were happy with how their birth experience, their first birth experience went. Braxton Hicks, how to work with me. I get the majority of my clients through referrals from past clients, people who've interviewed with me, people who didn't work with me, doctors, acupuncturists, or other doulas. Someone will go to my website, which is www.clearbirth.nyc. They'll fill out the contact form, which is pertinent information, your name, your phone number, your email address, your due date, and any information that you'd like me to know. Your doctor, anything you would like to share with me, how you were referred to me. And I usually reply to these requests pretty fast, within 24 hours. I send out an introductory email with a little information about me, my services, the number of prenatals, my on-call period, our postpartum visits, and then request if they're interested to set up a time and date for us to meet over Zoom. Now let's jump back into the show. Baby number two. Getting emails from repeat clients never gets old. When I got her email, she taught, she sent a picture of their first baby and reminded me about how she had a great experience and now they're expecting baby number two and would love to have me back as their doula. So I immediately responded yes, emphatically again. I was so excited for them. So this time around, we don't have to have an initial interview because I've already worked with them. So I send out the contract and we set up our first prenatal. And I love these prenatals where I get to see the first baby a little bit older, usually walking, you know, talking. And of course, we all sit around and we talk about the first experience and how that went. And also if there was something that they'd want to do differently this time around or something that they didn't like from their first experience that they'd like to change this time around or just to be mindful of. And it's always such a great visit. We check in frequently to see if there's anything that comes up throughout the pregnancy and everything went well. Second time around, she composed a new birth plan and we were just discussing the changes that she wanted this time around. We discussed the labor plan because last time she didn't have to make arrangements for baby number one. Now, the second time around, making those arrangements, making sure that they have reliable people on call. One of the things I like to caution often with clients is to have multiple backups. So you have backup number one, probably about four. So backup number one can be, you know, the grandparents or the godparents or the babysitter. Backup number two is usually the babysitter or a neighbor is backup number three someone who can get there relatively quickly. Because the second time around, even though labors can move a little bit faster, you just want to make sure that you don't have to run through your list of people who are available to come either to take care of baby number one or to take care of your fur baby, if that comes up, if you have a fur baby. 
So, and I often counsel people that closer to the due date that they remind people to put them on their uh, do not disturb list so that if they were to call in the middle of the night, that the call would go through if the phone was accidentally on do not disturb. Because you can only imagine how nerve wracking it is to have your backups not answer your phone call when you need them. For doulas as well, that's frightening. But imagine you're in labor. Because generally what would happen is someone would have to stay with the baby until the backup could arrive. So this labor was a little faster. I joined them at home when she went into labor and we labored for a little while longer at home. Second labors can turn a corner relatively quickly. So I'm just mindful of the timing of the contractions, where she's feeling them, and also the jump in time, right? Because contractions can go from 20 minutes apart to two to three minutes apart really quickly for a second time mom. So we just always mindful of that. Everything was going well. Grandparents came and picked up baby number one. So we were free to labor. The mom was in and out of the shower for a few contractions. She was on the ball for a couple of contractions. She was on hands and knees. She was on hands and knees in the bed. We did a lot of different positions. They had gone on a long walk before I had joined them. So that was easy to help the contractions to kind of come along and get closer together. So this time we were going to a new hospital with new doctors. I had worked with them many times and we had to take that into consideration for travel. This hospital was a little further out, but we still had enough time to make it. We got to the hospital. We went through our check-in procedures. They admitted her directly into a room because she was a second-time mom. With this practice, they knew that more than likely she was going to stay even if they admitted her and she was not fully dilated. So by the time we arrived, she was fully dilated. We got into the room. She pushed shorter period of time this time. This time pushing was about an hour. The father announced the sex of the baby. And again, we all laughed at the first mistake the first time around and just look, we all gave each other that look like, okay, don't get it wrong this time and kind of had a nice little chuckle. So it's nice that we had that relationship from, from that experience from the first birth to kind of connect us this time around. The baby latched well, this baby nursed perfectly. A few hours later, I left the new family together in the hospital. I joined for the postpartum visit. And again, it was just great to see both babies together, how they were experiencing each other. The parents, now a family of four. When they left, they were a family of three. Just, it's a beautiful moment. Braxton Hicks. Working with me continued. We usually set up a time to e-meet, as I mentioned over, over Zoom. After our meeting, I will send a follow-up email and the contract. During our meeting, this is a time for my clients to ask any questions they want to ask about me, my services, how I became a doula, which I mentioned in a previous podcast episode, so you can always go and check that out. And after our initial interview, clients usually get back to me within 
a week or so to make a decision, depending on where they are in their pregnancy. If they're very early on in the pregnancy, meaning the first trimester, it usually takes a couple of weeks because they will interview with quite a few people to make a decision. One of my biggest pet peeves is people not following up. Please follow up. I just want to say, this is my profession. I want you to find your perfect match. I know some people might feel bad, but trust me, hearing no means you not working with me means that you found your perfect doula. And I'd rather hear back from you to say, hey, I found my doula than to be left in limbo. We hear no quite frequently as doulas, and that's fine. There's enough births out here for everybody. Now let's jump back into the show. Baby number three. Yep. This client worked with me for a third birth. It's really affirming to the work that I do with my clients that they feel comfortable enough with me to refer me, but also comfortable enough to have me on their birth team multiple times. It just means the world to me to know that I was there on this special day with them, not once, not twice, but three times. And this birth was a little different. The client started her labor with water breaking, which is very rare in real life. About 10% of births start with, with water breaking. 100% of Hollywood movies, that's how every Hollywood movie shows labor, water breaking which is not the case. Usually you have many hours of contractions and then your water breaks. But on the occasions where water breaks first, then we generally wait for labor to start. This client was group B strep negative. Now, Braxton Hicks, group B is a bacteria that lives in the colon. It's not harmful to adults, but it's potentially harmful to infants. And this client, they tested usually around the 35th week of pregnancy. If positive, women are treated when they go into labor with IV antibiotics. My client was negative. Let's jump back into the story. Because my client was group B negative, she didn't have to go straight into the hospital for treatment. So she went about her day and waited for her contractions to start. She went on several long walks. She arranged for her two other children to get picked up. Four hours later, no contractions. She rested, she ate, she took a shower, she took a bath. She went on another long walk in Prospect Park. Yes, you can go for a walk in labor. Most labors are 24 to 72 hours long. Unlike Hollywood movies where water breaks, chaos ensued, baby is born in five minutes. Does not happen like that for the most part. There have been some births. That'll be a podcast for another day. Hour eight, still no contractions. The baby was moving. Mom was hydrating, eating, resting, doing all of the things. I suggested getting an acupuncture appointment. The acupuncturist came to their house, did a session to help stimulate contractions. She rested, ate, still no contractions. Hour 14, Still no contractions. So she called her doctor and they recommended that she come into the hospital. Braxton Hicks. If you have any questions for me 
during our interview period or even after we've interviewed, I often tell my clients or potential clients to feel free to reach back out if they want clarity on anything that's in the contract. Hearing back from my clients, usually I get can you be your doula? And I'm always just like, yes, I'll be your doula. Of course I'll be your doula. I love to be your doula. You can tell I love this work. So they'll sign the contract and send the deposit and then we're set. I will email with forms and dates for us to set up our first prenatal. And I talk about my official on-call period, which is 24 hours starting at the 38th week because potentially you could go into labor anytime thereafter. Let's finalize the story. I met my client in the hospital. My client was about five centimeters dilated. The doctor decided to give her Pitocin. Contractions were very infrequent and far apart. Now, in order for you to have a baby, your contractions need to be longer, stronger, and closer together. And if you're having contractions that are every 20 minutes and they're not there 30 seconds, that's not enough to help the uterus bring the baby out, down and out. The baby was doing well. The mom was doing well. They started the Pitocin. A few hours later, the contractions kicked in on a regular frequency. The client didn't want an epidural, but this hospital offered laughing gas as an alternative for pain relief. The laughing gas, the client is responsible for administering it for herself. So meaning that no one else can hold it to her face. She would have to hold it herself, inhale the gas, and then remove the mask. So because it's self-administering, so when she's about to have a contraction or before she has one, she feels one coming, she'll inhale the gas. And that usually helps with the sensation of the contractions. She did not use it for long. and She didn't like the way she felt right after when the contraction was coming. So the doctor came in and checked her. And it had only been a few hours. And she was ready to push. This pushing stage lasted 30 minutes. And she delivered a beautiful baby. We shared a look with the dad before he announced the sex. And we all chuckled to ourselves with an inside joke of, all right, now get it right. And this time he did. He had a beautiful baby boy. The baby latched well. And all was well. Third time moms. Breastfeeding goes relatively well because they're, they have the hang of it. They understand that they have to keep the baby awake the first couple of days, how the feeding patterns can change, also managing the rest. And also like their postpartum period, they have a lot of help and a lot of support because they've learned what they needed along the way for the first one, what they didn't get and added on from there. Now, this postpartum visit was even more special. I got to take a picture with all three of the babies. And I tell you, when I tell you, it was so heartwarming that I get a little teary-eyed thinking about it now, that people value this work so much that they would hire me three times to help them through this process. I cannot tell you how much pride I feel 
when I think about that. My hope is that when you consider working with a doula, this story helps change your mind about doulas only being for your first birth. Third trimester. Food for thought for birth. Today I'm reading a review from my client about my services. I want to give a huge thank you to my doula, Annette. On my son's first birthday, I took the time to reflect on his birth and all that's changed over the past year. All the changes make me sensitive to the one person that has been a constant, my doula, Annette. Although we prepared for a natural birth and had prenatal visits, it was discovered a C-section would be necessary due to the baby's positioning. Annette was quick to revamp the postpartum visitation schedule, shifting more visits to after the baby was born. With her advocacy, I was able to have skin-to-skin contact and breastfeed while in recovery. Even after a year, she continues to be responsive to emails, texts, and calls if I have questions about lactation. She helped me through breastfeeding and showed me specific holes that wouldn't irritate my incision. To this day, I feel I get more sleep by using the sideline technique she showed me. I thank her for being a sister friend and helping me navigate the roughest, happiest, exciting year of my life. Thank you for listening. I would appreciate it if you would leave a review and rate the podcast five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. Please check the show notes for resources from this episode. I love to hear from you and will read your review on a future episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can also send me an email at clearbirthpodcast at gmail.com. Happy birthing! This podcast was edited and managed by Wordy Productions.